Hey everyone, it's Mallow. Before we jump into today's episode, I just wanted to say that this is part two of our season finale. This is more of a behind the scenes look where the cast kind of sits down uh, after a quick break after the last recording session and just kind of catch everybody up on what's been happening and where they think the story is going uh, and a little bit of the uh, behind the scenes look at what it takes to put on production like this. So uh, sit back and relax. Season three is just around the corner. Uh, You may even already be in your favorite podcatcher if you are listening to this uh, at a certain time. So uh, thank you all for listening and uh, We'll talk to you again soon. Hello, Fringers. The following podcast may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. Starting out is, is this the yeah. so this is the end of season two now. I'm gonna call it the end of season two. I thought. We, I think oh, that's wow. fine. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think barring a there, there might be an interlude this summer. Yes. Um, season three, that, the Vegas season. So season one was a lot of true story. Here's here's how I I see kind of season one. Season one was your characters. For lack of a better term, well, also they were kind of rookies and they weren't (laughs) worldwide, right? The the, the characters were rookies and they were like, they were, they were kind of in their little bubble and they'd been sent out to do the thing. And then all of a sudden they found themselves as the small fish in a very big pond. Mm -hmm. And they were kind of like Michigan. Yep. And they were kind of getting pulled a lot of different directions that they didn't really understand. Like they knew shit was happening. But looking back on that, it almost, from a thematic standpoint, fits. It was it was all reactive. We couldn't be mm-hmm. proactive. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. Because, I mean, we had one thing that was proactive, and I think that was in episode one or two, where Maxi decided <laughs> to pull the trigger on the target that we didn't think was going to get pulled on, and it went, that was all reaction Sideways. after that. Yep. But again, it was it was a lot of your characters just trying to get right with the world. Right, like they were again in this much larger world. Very quickly, they learned of the existence of these mutants and all this other stuff, and all these machinations that were happening around them that they kind of stumbled into. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it was almost thematically appropriate for them to be very reactive because, again, they got tossed into this really deep pool. Yeah. I mean, that is an apt analogy. Um, We're a lot of sharks also. And so from both a player and a character perspective, it almost makes sense that, again, both as players and as characters, you were just kind of like, we were trying to find solid ground. Like there was ongoing jokes about the yarn wall, but it was also serious talk because we, you know, the, the group of us uh, and uh, Steph as well, we were constantly talking about first season specifically like okay what is going on yeah we like what where do we go next what do we no do what was going on um, yeah, it, it was bad things were just so intertwined and there was so much happening at once that we were and we've said it already but it, a lot of it was just reactionary because we were just trying to figure out what 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 yarn which string do we pull on next and, and you kind of pulled on all of them 
I, I feel like season one was more of a um, uh, shit happened to us. Mm -hmm. And then season two is more like we happened to shit. Um, I mean, things still went crazy against us and acted against wait, us. Wait, we happened to shit or we happened to shit? Well, no, we happen. At the, at the tail end of season... Things happened to us and then we happened to things. How's that? <laughs> season two, we happened to shit. So early in season one, we introduced we're And now we're coming in. We can finally. Early in season one, we introduced the character, the non-player character of Kelly Aguilar, right? As somebody who's involved deeply in whatever it is you're looking at, right? But y'all weren't really sure what. And then toward the tail end of season one, it became apparent to your characters and you as players that she is a critical element of what's happening here and it's it's time to go right and so you have the confrontation at aguilar's compound and at her warehouse at the end of season one and this is really where things open up where it's it's the you are beautiful i want to bring you joy and like i'm still having flashbacks from that okay. just so you know like and and all of a sudden now you're laser focused on okay something's going on this is this is the the area we're pulling on now And that was that was about the point where I actually started an actual digital yarn wall. I, I remember I worked on that for weeks and weeks and weeks until finally like, hey guys, what do you think of this? And everybody's like, holy shit. And Alex, I'm sure Alex in his head was like, that's what my brain looks like. <laughs> All the time. <sighs> yeah. So yes, Kelly Aguilar is our nemesis at this point. And she's... I mean, the reason we're trying to get to her is because of the the AI that she worships or whatever, and that's that's our thread we can use to get to that. But a lot of season one was just getting to the point where we understood that the AI and Aguilar in concert are a threat. Well, a lot of season one was also us learning what all because there are a lot of players involved right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and all of them are trying to play this game in different ways they're all trying to work on the mutant problem i shouldn't call it the mutant problem that sounds very marvel mm -hmm. uh, like x-men like but you know everybody wants mutants because it shifts the balance of power you know every corp is after every other corp it's like mm -hmm. and we were being pulled in all these different directions the sages you know la sagage is like okay this is this overarching you know the boogie bat boogeyman bad guys and, and, and going back to your comment from earlier where where it's always maxi first couple episode maxi shoots they're shooting at drones right then you have the meeting with red cap right which is the the la sagage contact and what does maxi do in the middle of that meeting he's like you know what fuck it and just grabs red cap it napped him yeah that was, I honestly, uh, I will applaud Michael for that one as much as Chone was freaking out when Maxi did it. That pretty much cemented the group as a force to be reckoned with. We took down one of the proxies for La Sagage. One, yeah, one of their top fixers. Yeah. And it's like, at that point, okay, now these people are serious players and what do oh. they do? Well, they create chaos. We also learned that uh, when you remove a chip from someone, it's essentially useless. You could have asked. Chone I think we that. might have known that before, but <laughs> I'm just saying. I mean, we learned that by example. What, what I learned was 
you don't get a security deposit back on your on the SUV you've rented on the when there's when there's that much blood in the back. <laughs> to be fair, I believe we actually drove that into the bay. Absolutely so couldn't so. be tracked, but still. But these were the moments where y'all were like, okay. And, and and this has kind of been Maxie's MO, where I think Maxie as a character kind of was like, all right, I'm fed up. I'm just going to, I'm going. Like, we're, we're going to do some shit well, now. Maxie is, Maxie is a person of action. Uh, that's just kind of how he is. Um, he tries to be very controlling or very controlled in his environments, but is also very decisive. Like, if something needs to be done, Maxie's going to be the one to do it. Um, doesn't tend to push things off on other people. And um, tactically, in every situation Maxie has acted in, tactically, he has made what he thought was the right decision at the time. I also feel that Maxie gets really fed up with uh, the other two when uh, he sees the very clear path and all we do is dither and discuss <laughs> and uh, and try and make 18 different contingencies. There was plans. a lot of analysis paralysis in season I mean, I, one. There was a lot in season one, yeah. I'm trying to be tactical. I'm trying to make a good choice. Mm -hmm. a, a but I mean, the... uh, sorry, Caleb, go ahead. I'm going to say a, a lot of the problem is myself as a player. I'm in the same situation that my character is in, in that I do not know the answers. Uh, but I want to give a good performance but I, for the show and play a good game. I think that that actually fits. Again, because you as a player oh, and, and, and Zed as a character is like, holy shit. There is so much outside of this narrow world I've seen. And now I'm in the thick of it. Yeah. But a lot of a lot of my paralysis in taking action is very real in that I as a person, as a player, forget these details, even with the notes I take that Kaylee takes. I forget the details, I forget the connections. We all do that I in real life anyway. I can't remember names at all. We do that in real life anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that, that's where a lot of my own delays come from. I mean, I started doing that in self-defense, to be fair, because I could not keep track of everything, and it just felt like, I literally felt like I was dragging the game down to having to be like, who are I we thought talking I was about? doing that. Well, we, maybe we both were. We all, I think we all felt that way at some point. Yeah. yeah. Now, I will say as the, as the GM, none of you are dragging the game down. Again, I, again, especially looking Thanks, back Alex. on it, thematically... <laughs> Your players are playing the way your characters are feeling, which your characters, again, are these very, like, relatively low level, like, we've been doing some stuff, we know our thing. And and what was interesting is, is I think that a lot of your characters come in like, I am confident in my thing. Right? Yep. Yeah. And all of you got pulled to different, like, outside of your comfort zones in each way. Right? And I think that's good. Sure. Like, Zed has gone from in season one, very much like I'm the, the schemer and the analysis guy, da, 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 and Zed has become much more person of action. Mm -hmm. Right. Whereas almost Maxi has become a little more reserved because especially in season two, you, because of the actions you've been taking, y'all have been in direct action a little more. And there's been a couple of times where it's really come close for y'all. 
And I think that that has put Maxi on, as a character, on his heels a little bit. Would you agree uh, with that, Michael? Oh, I would I would 100% agree. Um, we learned in season two that Maxi may have had, well, there was hints at it in season one, of course, uh, but we also learned in season two that Maxi had kind of a bit of a an unbridled youth, right? There was a time in his life when he was very out of control. Mm -hmm. um, and the the precise opposite of what he has become um, in his current state. And even more so, you know, as these combats occurred and, you know, when we had our showdown at the end of season one, that was the first real, that was the, between the, between the skyscraper and the, and the, the Which beach house infiltration. Go back and watch that skyscraper episode. People who are watching this on YouTube later, that, in my opinion, is one of the best episodes we've done. I also, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give myself a little bit. The 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 pacing on that one, where we bounce between all the different yeah, groups, like it's it, very well yeah. done, Alex. It, it was really it, well done. It's it's a very it's a cool episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. So the skyscraper incident, and then the beach house infiltration, where. We went in hot and and hard. Poor <laughs> Dot's not here for that one. I know. Oh, poor Dot. Know. Dot, um, we, we, we said hot and hard just for you. We we went in, you know, guns blazing. With intent. With, with intent. intent. With intent. That's and, a good way of putting it. And the and, and you sent another team with intent to hit the other location, and it killed all of them. And we yes. got them that, murdered. That team got wiped out. Um, we barely made it out of that that the beach house. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and that was literally just the skin of our teeth and the luck of a few good rolls. And it cost um, but, Apex as a character. Yes, from a character perspective, so so much. This is this is where Apex was like, I can't anymore because of how intense that fight was. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and the Chone had the effects. Yeah, yeah, and Chone had the same problem. Not quite to that degree, but Apex's uh, decision to leave and to forsake all of the all of her tech really shook Chone a lot, and that's where they were in a horrible place at the start of season two. Mm -hmm. And this is actually where I want to get to Chone because now Chone is in this weird intersection where, for all of season one, Chone is entirely reliant on their tech. They are a tech, they're a hacker. Like I, this is my rock, right? And then when Chon gets taken and meets Abiel and learns about themselves. And, and now Chon is at this intersection between the physical and the metaphysical. That Chon's still trying to figure out this whole like metaphysical. And I, I like that you're doing the quantum mechanics stuff now because you're like, there's got to be science behind this. But there's this very mm -hmm. metaphysical event that happened to Chon where Chon couldn't rely on their tech. Where Chone didn't have the ability to be like, my hacking will pull me through. Yeah. Right? And now you're in this metaphysical world that you've been thrust into and you're trying to, like, tread your way through it. Yeah, it's it's very... That's one place where I, as a player, and Chone have a little bit in common because I have a very, very basic understanding of quantum mechanics as a person. Um you know a layperson's understanding of it and the having to dig into that 
to kind of give some more uh, realism, so to speak, for what Chone is going through is giving both of us a headache a little bit sometimes. But it's I've read enough science fiction to understand the, the implications of the ideas behind quantum entanglement. And, you know, quantum juxtaposition, all those kinds of things. And that's stuff that I'm like, would this work? Well, let's have Chone find out. So it's almost an experimental thing. But yeah, there's... It's almost a relief sometimes to Chone when it's like, oh, I just have to hack something. Cool, I can, I can take care of that. That's not a problem. Because when it comes time to, you notice that they only do that when they're practicing or shit's getting really real is when they rely on it or when they try it. Because it's like they're in over their heads. Let's act on this. Yeah. The ambush that took out uh, I and, you know, the whole when At they the were airport. doing the meet. At the airport. That was like, oh, we are in a lot of trouble. Look what just happened to Stitches. Look what just happened to Maxi. You know, and they came through with a boo-boo. And Jones actually, like, getting a little... I wouldn't say jaded, but, like, a little shell-shocked almost at the amount of, like, sheer violence they've been through in the past few months. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, we did the... We had the the first encounter with Bos the, the Bosco uh, episode, which Bosco is... Which actually was character. in season one. Yes, it was in season one, but that was the first real like heavy violent thing because we cleared that house. I mean, we had the we had the fight really early with where we took out uh, where we met um, our new mutant friends. Can't yep. remember their name. My notes are closed already. But then it's like, okay, we well we went after Kelly Aguilar at her house and we almost died there. And th there's just more and more. And then we go into Texas. Chone gets kidnapped. There's a firefight, and then there's more firefights, and there's firefights, and there's firefights, and it's like, then Chone's watching Maxi get arms blown off and stitches get blown apart, and it's just, it's getting to the point where Chone's, there was an entire point in season two where Chone was like, this is too dangerous for you guys, and tried to cut ties and be like, you guys need to go home. Well, and Chone's... Because I'm a target. Chone's also dealing with these new abilities that Chone has mm -hmm. and having to deal with the fact that they're communing with somebody who is probably from the future. Mm-hmm. Right? And it was telling... What do you mean, wait, wait, whoa, what do you mean probably? Well, let's... Well, let's... Well, oh, dear Lord. Bum, bum, bum. Um, but who's telling Chone, hey, look, by the way, you might be the future of humanity. Good luck. No pressure. And that thing... Um, moving on to Zed. Yes. Zed has that natural inclination for leadership, but I think there's a hesitation to Zed. Yeah. This fear of making the wrong decision. Yeah, 100%. Um, Zed has evolved a lot as a character. Um, and I, I really appreciate you, Alex pushing me to answer better questions about Zed because I wrote him, I created him not as a one-dimensional character, but as a very stereotypical character. Mm -hmm. And I kind of felt like he could have very successfully been that stereotype. Um, but you were pushing me to have a better story, a better motivation. Evolve. And that... Exactly. 
So that really forced me to come to terms with what I wanted Zed to be, what I wanted to do as a performer. And I think that's where some of my hesitation as a player came from, because then on top of being in the deep end and not knowing what was going on and me forgetting details and names and events that happened in last week's game, then I was also kind of in this quandary of how do I play this character? What are they really doing? So I was trying to solve all of these problems at once. I don't think I really got a handle on the right direction for Zed until early in season two. Like I, I had also, this. If I don't, if you don't mind me cutting in for no, a second, it's... Zed grew a lot in mm -hmm. season one and into season two. Yeah, huge. Chone, for example, I remember in when we first met Mike Tate and because we got pulled in and there was the whole thing with uh, with Apex and the and the whole murder thing. Mm -hmm. And the fact that Zed was just so dispassionately corp about it. Yeah. Uh, about like all of it, just like, well, I just want to be I'm in it for myself. I want more. I want success. I'm in it for mm -hmm. this. Chone did Chone as a character was like I don't like you I don't want to integrate with you mm -hmm. but Zed very quickly grew past that and I think that had a lot to do with Caleb uh, yes. more than more than Zed's like growing up I mean that there were pieces of that there but to the point where in season two they have become friends and more mm -hmm. um and more and there was yes more. there was an episode <laughs> where more did happen i'm and just saying happened. like there was a, there wasn't an episode where they were were chone not just out of, uh, not just chone and zed but oh no there's Maxie a lot of more going on Maxie in this group. And stitches <laughs> right these are stressful situations you y'all are y'all are getting close yeah we're boning. folks have seen speed right i mean <laughs> you gotta go keeping about 55 miles an hour yep no, no, relationships um, formed in stressful situations, right? That's yeah. whole... So I'm curious going in now, now that we're going to go into season three, where is Zed's going to continue to evolve? Hmm. Well, I think I Zed's know. become more confident. He's going to be a boxer with his arms. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's a lot more confidence there. Do we um, see Zed taking again, like embracing more of that leadership role? So inside baseball, uh, I think that's kind of some of the things we've been talking about behind the scenes uh, as, as we've been working on the show and continuing to develop the show. Um, I think, uh, Alex, you had uh, a couple P NPCs just flat out ask Zed what he wanted to do. And, uh, and that, that might have been a little bit of you just just uh, jumping into the show there. Um, Don't know what you're yeah, talking about. I, <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm just making shit up. Um, but yeah, it, it Zed Zed came from being very powerless in his youth to taking and abusing power. To in season one, walking in thinking. He had that power to abuse and being horribly mistaken 
and not knowing what to do and feeling like he did in his youth again, where he was just on the wrong end of it all. Mm -hmm. um, so now through season two that he has become confident and learned that it's not a world of, while it is a world of extremes, he does not have to sit in one of those extremes. It is not just, I have all the power or I have none of the power. Through season two, he has learned to understand that he can exist confidently in that shifting nebulous of power. And I think he's learning to trust the people that work with him and that, and to understand what it means that they trust him because mm -hmm. that's nothing he's really worked with before. So, um, back at the end of season one, when he was like, you know, I, I just want to be at the table with Tate and Tate was like, shut, shut up, dummy. That doesn't work like that. Um, and then seeing Blythe, I think really cements that because we said this in the chat between shows, Blythe is basically who Zed would have become yep. if uh, this show didn't happen to the character. Mm -hmm. So seeing Blythe at this point in Zed's evolution, I think very much reinforces his decisions to continue to change. So a little inside baseball, since we're here doing the inside baseball pieces. So for those that are watching this later and things like that, I, this is just kind of my thoughts. So when we conceptualize, when Mal and I conceptualized of what chaos Inc was going to be, I love shows like, uh, the blacklist scandal, like where there's these like integrated, like more like John LeCar, like this web of, you know, conflicting motivations and stuff like that. And that was where we started. Now, what I've learned is, and this is from a production standpoint, um, that's really hard to do in a tabletop RPG. It's really hard to do. So one of the decisions that I made a couple of months ago was I was like, I'm narrowing this down. We're going to narrow this down to here's the primary level of the conflict, which is where I wanted to get to anyway, but we're going to stick with this thing. Um, as far as all the other stuff, I at times have approached each cast member and said, Hey, here's a thing I have for your character. Can I do this? <laughs> right. I do ask ahead of time. So for those that don't mm -hmm. know, True. actually, so, True. so let's, let's more inside baseball. The cast is not given to the primary plot points before we do this. This is not scripted. I do not give them primary plot points. The, the closest we come to scripting, and I put that in heavy air quotes, is a couple of times. One, if there's something specific I want to do to their characters, I always come to them first, right? This is just mm -hmm. a point of respect and ensuring that certain boundaries aren't crossed. It's part of like safety tools and things like that. Mm -hmm. So for example, before I kidnapped Chone, that can, as a player, be a source of trauma, et cetera, et cetera. So I came to Kaylee first and I said, hey, I have an idea. Are you okay with this if I do this? Mm -hmm. I'll say I'm going to, but if I do, are you all right? Um, Michael you said the thing. same thing with the quantum entanglement thing. Right. Mm -hmm. 
I, I come to Zed, I come to Michael. Michael, I was like, hey, I want to do you a nemesis. Let's talk more about your background. Right? And we did. And we talked a lot. <laughs> so for anybody that wants to do, by the way, an actual play thing, talk to your players. It's okay to check with them first. Right? It doesn't wreck anything. The only other side of scripting that we've done is I will say, hey, this one's a tight one because of what I've got planned. We need to not dither said, too much he, here. He says don't talk don't, all that much. Stop yeah, talking and role playing. Don't Just get, don't get trapped talking about the menu for your lunch. Right. Here's here's a don't couple look of at the, me when you say that, Michael. Here's a couple of the points I want to hit this episode. Can we make sure we, we get through them because we're on a tight two hour? And yeah. and the cast is great about that. Again, that's some inside baseball to how I plot the production of the show, which is I know the general direction I'm going, right? Some of the stuff I run to Mallow and, and he and I discuss it, you know, in between things where I'm like, Hey, I'm going to introduce this element like the entangled, right? I'm going to introduce this element, which is the entangled. I'm going to introduce more with the mutants, which by the way, you can download the first mutants, uh, module on drive through RPG. It's there. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. Mutants we'd been working on for a while. The Entangled was something new that I added um, this weekend. The stuff about the benevolent AI that we introduced in this episode tonight, that was stuff that I was like, hey, I don't think this deals with retcon. Da, 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 da. This is how I want to explain everything and, and kind of how we're going to, I'm going to push it forward. And he was like, yeah, go. We're good. Um, so, but no, the cast does not know what I'm coming in with every episode. Nor do I know what silly things are going to do, like capture red cap. I mean, you can predict some of the silly things we're going to do. Yeah, I know there's going to be a uh, dot brought it up. There will be food. There will always be food. Uh, this, by the way, again, for those watching this uh, on YouTube, go back and watch, go back and search the RPG Academy podcast. Okay. Oh and you need to listen to the first <laughs> actual play on the RPG Academy podcast uh, where we did Identico for them. Right. And, and again, uh, much love to the RPG Academy podcast. They were the first people that brought us on, right. That we worked mm -hmm. with, uh, mm -hmm. before we started our Kickstarter, uh, with those folks, you can, you can hear Caleb and I on that initial Kickstarter and, and Michael from the RPG Academy. And yeah. who was the fourth member? I can't remember. Chris. Uh, Chris. Yes. Uh, but that one started the food tradition. Was Caleb's I, character breaking into an apartment and cooking somebody's stuff out of their things? He's I'm like, I, he's like powdered peanut butter. I'll mix that with some olive oil, and we'll do this and this. Yeah, I love the fact that such a stupid bit in a one shot has continued for so many years—literally so, five years now. So many years. <laughs> five years later, we still have it's, the food bit from it's the such original. A good bit. It is. Uh, but by the way, if you want to know where the food bits started with Identico, that's where the food slice of life stuff started was that one shot, which by the way, uh, is part of the mutants and, and of mutants and men series. Uh, and 100%, uh, my character Finn is running a food truck in Identico right now somewhere. somewhere as we, we still need to do that food truck wars, uh, one that we talked about as a one shot or like a, a short series. Right, you remember that one that we talked about years ago? 
-hmm. Food truck wars. Food truck wars. Well, Finn, and then Finn is, uh, we, Finn was in, um, what was our one shot? The Texas game. Deep in the heart of Texas. Which Deep in the heart of find. Texas. Yep. It yep. It's there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, yes, that's that's where all of that goes. It's, it's back to there. Um, yeah, all right. You know what? I'm going to actually open up to the cast. And, and well, right before I do that, I will explain. So, if you want any more background, I promise a lot of this is out there. Go to Amazon.com. Search In Defiance of Chaos. That's our book of short stories. A lot of the things that are happening in this series were actually set up there seven years ago. Was stuff that Mal and I wrote seven years ago, the whole section on Jackson Howe and, and mm -hmm. uh, the death of Rob Barnes, um, which is a, uh, a piece of writing I'm particularly proud of. Uh, mm -hmm. But a lot of that is in there. So if you read In Defiance of Chaos you will learn a lot more about La Sagage and all of that. So mm. it's there. Uh, what question do y'all have? Come on. Yep. This is your chance. Mm. I, I literally don't want to ask anything because I very much enjoy the reveal. We've, we've um, tightened up the storyline some. And that is no appreciated. Um, that is appreciated a whole bunch. Because there were, there is, there is literally, I'm pretty sure you know this, but there's literally a chat of the cast without Alex. I'm sure there is. Where we basically go, what the fuck are we doing now? What do we do next game? What do we, what do we want to try and figure yeah. out? And... We call that, we call that identical plotting, AKA. Thirsty on main. <laughs> Oh, we know, we know you all y'all are thirsty on main. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, yeah. but, uh, but, yeah. but identical plotting is the main part of that, that name. Um, it's like half, yeah. half. And it's, yeah. So even that we don't like, we don't talk about, we talk about like, what should we be doing our, our characters in game? Like what, it's kind of like our little strategy session for where do we think we need to go? Yeah. Like, what do we think we need to do? Or if if we want to flesh out a point between some of our characters, like right in that scene where Chone and Zed kind of talked a little bit about Zed's backstory, Kaylee and I talked about that to make sure that was an okay scene. The, we mm -hmm. figured out how- Oh, I didn't know, know that happened, yeah. Oh yeah, we know yeah. we wanted to bring it up. So we talked in our chat about how we were gonna get there. And then, by the way, even this came is up how with, safety like, the trigger tool, phrase. This is how yeah. safety tools also work between characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Is hey, sure. are we good with this style of role play? Because it might be a little intense. Because y'all yeah. have done, and I actually want to bring this up now. Y'all have done some pretty intense role play, character to character, mm -hmm. at various mm -hmm. times throughout this both seasons. My my favorites so. I mean, I've got favorites in both seasons, but. Uh, the scene between uh, Apex and Chone, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. Chone just basically melted down uh, after Apex made the choice to, you know, basically rob murder somebody. That that was oh, a yeah. harsh, yeah. harsh oh, yeah. scene, but it was yeah. so good. Yeah. I Apex forgot about that. Yep. Yeah. That was, and yeah, the whole the scene with Zed talking about his his, his childhood and such. That was. That was super intense also. Yeah. 
that was one of the things i mean that was actually something that really helped anchor chone later in the season so yeah y'all have done some really and, and literally everybody in the cast has done like at least a couple of like super intense scenes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which by and, the way again background i had never because they always plot this out without me i don't know what's coming they start doing it i'm just like well, and i'm gonna hang out here for a while we don't plot everything out a no. lot of what a lot of what you're hearing is improvisation from us also yeah but again in in some cases we do talk about certain things that we either want to make sure we hit between our two characters or our three characters or our four characters mm -hmm. and then also like small plot points like for example um you know as we're coming into the new season there has been there will be some additions to our little internal roster right our characters yep. get some oh yeah some, we're having a baby what we, what zed no, you're no. gonna be a daddy uh we're gonna call zed daddy Zed's already a daddy i'm um, true i'm happy to be a daddy oh Dylan. boy um oh boy Anytime you need uh it. yikes uh, <laughs> but each you know as we've as our characters have leveled up now our characters each get you know in the in the rules a follower a minion. minion a minion right so That's what we have done is in that plotting channel we talked amongst ourselves about okay what's you know uh kaylee was like okay well this is what i'm thinking for my minion and then like so we're not tr we're trying not to overlap necessarily yeah. you know what our minions do or what they're involved in uh so plotting like that you know little things where we want to make sure we don't step on each other's toes um and and again we want to kind of help each other bring out character moments and pieces that are important to our our growth as characters mm -hmm. right and so. one thing one thing michael mentioned it, or and alex mentioned earlier and i'm going to use michael as an example is earlier this season there were some really tough scenes between chone and maxi mm -hmm. where it was gonna get downright to the point where like physical and Michael and I, I mean, we've known each other for so long that we pretty much can predict each other's thoughts at some point or another. I mean, kind of. But, but we still talked about it. Sandwiches? It's like, hey. Yeah. Anyway, but we still talked about, hey, is this okay if this happens between these two characters? Is this crossing mm -hmm. any lines? Mm -hmm. And that's just respect for your your co-players and mm -hmm. everybody again, else. You can, you can implement safety tools. And again, not just between GM and player, but player to player. And I encourage people to do so. Again, it doesn't hurt the in-game experience. And, and and I'll be the first one to say, me running these things past the players ahead of time never ruins the in-game experience. And I want it, for mm -hmm. anybody who's watching this later, I want y'all to know again when I when I kidnap a character, when I do anything that I feel might be something that needs to be run, I always. And so other GMs, I encourage you, it does not ruin the in-game experience. I promise. They're still going to feel that tension, even if you check with them ahead of time. Would you, like, Kaylee, I'll go to you. Like, when I kidnapped Chone, like, I had already talked to you ahead of time and said, hey, if I decide to do this and if, if it runs this way, are you okay? Yeah. Did that ruin the tension of it? No, not at all, because I didn't know what was going to happen. And the phrase you're looking for is uh, anytime there's a loss of agency. Mm -hmm. So anytime that a character, because yeah. 
like I don't know how mo most people are because I'm just me, but no, like that's, that's the term I, I want to use. Yeah. For characters, I really get into my character. My character mm -hmm. is an extension. It's a it's a it's a metaphysical extension, if you will, and that character is my portrayal of a being. And losing agency over that is it's can, a violation uh, of a way can be so tough. the fact that yeah. yeah so the fact that you check with us when those things happen that means a lot and it re helps me retain that agency and lets me be more immersed in a way so no i've never had uh, it, that doesn't take anything away it actually made it it actually made it slightly more immersive because now i'm like oh my god what's going to happen it assists in your performance because at the end of the day, we, we are performers doing a show. Yes, yes, yes yeah. we are friends. Yes, we are playing a game for enjoyment, but ultimately we're, we're performers doing a show. So knowing a blueprint, an outline helps us be better performers. Mm -hmm. Knowing a potential impact to our agency helps us prepare I know at some point I will need to react to X happening because in the moment I may not, I may be just deer in the headlights. Uh, what? Which sometimes is a fine reaction. But if I can take a second to be like, all right, if this actually happens to my character, I would probably react with this emotional outrage. I can prepare myself as a performer to get those emotions out of the toolbox. Yeah, I, I think to build on that, Caleb, it's it's about working within a framework, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, if you, you know, and we, as much as we like to improv, right? It also, it's difficult to improv without some kind of structure in place to build yeah. upon. Yes. Mm -hmm. And having that knowledge that this thing is going to occur, like this thing is going to happen, if you're okay with it, that gives us as players and as as Caleb said performers it gives us that baseline it gives us okay this is where I get to start like I'm starting from here and I can ramp this up however I need to mm -hmm. but it gives me a place to look for to center and to 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 start the process of reacting mm -hmm. right yep mm -hmm. I just want to highlight that for again for anybody who's watching this if you're thinking about doing and I was talking to somebody so I was at a and the reason this this came to my mind is I was at a, a meetup a uh, week and a half ago, and it's the Seattle Online Broadcasters Association, and so it's a lot of streamers and stuff like that. And is, I was, is that acronym SOBS? SOBA. Oh, okay. Um, and anyway, did so they, I was... Did they get that because the drink doesn't exist anymore? <laughs> <laughs> I was meeting they with some other... up that trademark? Some actual play people, and they were asking me, because obviously we've done a lot of these for a long time to this and interested in other stuff um and again it was it was a conversation about hey talk to your team talk to your cast because at the end of the day this is this is my team i'm hugging them all right now uh Aww. we don't get to do this show without them right and they have now stuck through this for a while we're, we're at the end of season two there's a lot of episodes i think we're 40 or 50 episodes in um uh, pretty close uh 43 and plus this side literally episodes. started as guys give me 12 will you give me 12 episodes I remember this that. Thing? yes and if you like it we'll keep going and if not we can stop but i literally yeah. i asked for 12 up front and they were like deal and i was like thank you um for this team who we approached um so um yeah uh it's 
these are good things for people to realize about doing this. Again, it's it's not me running a game like independent of all other things. And I want mm -hmm. y'all, I want people to realize that and realize that this is a, a collaborative effort. Um, it's a lot of growth. It's a lot of stuff. We've had some great role play in this series. Uh, again, if you're watching this later on YouTube, go back and watch the rest of the series. It's it's fun. There's some great moments. Um, and that's the other yes. thing I love about this show is there's been some really great moments, right, that really bring joy to my face. Again, I really enjoy doing this stuff. It's one of the things that makes me really happy. Um, you are beautiful. So. We can bring you joy. Oh, my gosh. Joy. It makes me happy. Um, that's where we're going to leave it for tonight. Um, Kaylee, where can folks find you? And actually, I want you and can you and Michael do this together? Because I saw a Twitter post today. I saw I, a Twitter I mean, post. I don't think we can do it in stereo. I want you to. I want you to do it in stereo I right now. Stereo. But I saw a Twitter post today for something that is returning. <laughs> yes, uh, I am. It, it, it is and, absolutely true. I will be returning blues. to my my town to hometown tomorrow or Thursday after going to a concert. No, that's not what you're talking. It's a concert across the house, the street from our house. <laughs> Shut up. She's just gonna walk oh to the concert. <laughs> our house. This is in the middle of our street. Uh, <laughs> well, you can find me on the internet. You can find me on the internet at Anime Girl and also at a place where Michael's gonna tell you about because he's in charge of our social media right now. Michael. In oh, by the way, I, I love that post. By the way, it looks so good. <coughs> What's good coming job, back? Michael. Oh, yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, uh, so yeah, so. Redemption podcast uh, ended as a as a podcast in February of this year mm -hmm. um, after a long seven year run. Seven, seven years, eight seasons. Seven years, eight seasons. Um, unofficially, the longest running Star Wars actual play at the time. Look, I'm calling it officially until someone is able to prove otherwise. But that being said, uh, Chris and Kaylee and I uh, can't stay away from each other. Um, so we've decided that we are going to continue uh, the tradition of the Redemption podcast, our Star Wars actual play, as a live stream starting May 29th at 8 p.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash at Smugglers Blues. Uh, the name of the show is Smugglers Blues, a redemption story. And we will be moving forward. I believe we're jumping ahead about a year. I was going to ask, like, what change. era? Can we can we tell folks what Star Wars era we're in? So we, we are. Sorry, go ahead, Kaylee. Okay, we. Sorry, I I, I stomped on you. I'm sorry. No, no, uh, you didn't. We ended Redemption approximately a year after Order sixty six. Okay, so and this we are is going another to year be... forward. This is another year forward. So, so we're, we're fully at... in the Empire era. Oh, yeah. The, the Rebellion is everywhere. The Rebellion hasn't even really started yet. The Rebellion really. is a the rebellion is a, a whisper on the wind. Yes. Mm -hmm. were. But we're uh, fully in the Empire era. Yes. And, yes. And, and Go ahead. And, you know, what we're going to find is our intrepid crew uh, is not doing as well as they had hoped. <laughs> and there may, uh, you know, maybe struggling to keep uh you know their hydra spanners working struggling to keep fuel in the ship uh struggling to sheep keep, keep the ship together um struggling to keep sheep <laughs> struggling to keep sheep um <laughs> uh but yeah so we're gonna start this off uh we're looking for uh, you know it's going to be a, a lot more down-to-earth story uh way less galaxy spanning uh world changing galaxy changing tales and more like 
you know, low, low stakes, low key, like just trying to put food on the table. Someone lost like adventures. Needs a sandwich. I like it. Think, think along lines of like Firefly slash yeah. Cowboy Bebop. You I, know, I like it. Always on the ragged edge. And I, am... uh, I will also say that uh, there will be a uh, an intro video to the stream that'll look awfully familiar tonally because there's a very certain special Mallow who helped us. Oh, is he doing the intro? For... Oh, I think he told me that oh, Sunday. Alex, is... have you not seen it yet? I haven't. Oh. He doesn't. We will. We will I show you. I saw Mallow for the first time on like Sunday. So like mm -hmm. in like three. Weeks, I, I'll so throw it in our Discord channel yeah, to I, share. I want to see it. Mallow. He told me he was working yes. on it. Caleb, um, you exist too. Oh wait, hold on. Now let me, let me okay, finish. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, there's other places Michael can find. Oh wait, we got a lot of so, places for Michael. Yeah, he's okay. just not so, hanging out. Michael's a busy guy. Truth. Truth. I'll simply say this: you can find me on my socials at LoserMLW on Instagram, on Twitter, all of the places. Um, if you see a LoserMLW, it's me. Um, and you can find me on uh, Tubular Teens with Titans, which is a Power Rangers-based inspired audio drama. I get to play a villain. It's a lot of fun. Listen to that on your podcasts. You can find me on Wednesday nights on the Rook and Rasp channel on Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash rasp. And that is for the Dragon Age show. That will be we'll be ending that in the next uh, couple weeks. We'll be breaking for our we'll be breaking season one and uh, breaking for the summer. Um, you can catch that at uh, seven thirty p.m. Eastern on Wednesday, so tomorrow night. Um, and then uh, yeah, you can just follow me on the socials. You find me places doing things and stuff and stuff. Sometimes there's pants. Sometimes there aren't. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes we're in shorts. Dude, Caleb, when it's 84 degrees in your room, you take your shirt off. It's hot in here right now. My <laughs> studio's cooking. Caleb, what? They can find you places. <laughs> you have projects. Those, I am on the socials at the Caleb G. You can hear me over on the RPG Academy. A lot of archived shows. Uh, occasionally, I am on their sample adventures where we play through the pre-written demo adventures included in a variety of tabletop games mm -hmm. just to experiment with them and see what's going on. Um, I also have my charity project, point5past.org on the socials P, the number five past. Uh, definitely had some life changes impact my plans for this year but we're going to keep going strong and get some momentum going and uh there's another thing that we're working on that i don't know if i can talk about yet oh uh, we can't so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go into super detail but oh, I, we can't okay i'm not gonna go to i'm not gonna go into super detail um here's what i will say for those of you who are like we used to have two identical shows for a while because we had angel city and chaos Inc. at the same time uh, which was a very tiring time for me because I was running Chaos Inc. on Tuesdays and playing in Angel City on Wednesday. Um, a new identical show is coming. Um, Caleb pitched Mallow and I an idea a few weeks back. Um, Caleb pitched many ideas. Caleb pitched many ideas, but this was one that, that we were like, okay, we can do this now because there's a lot of those that are going to take some time. Um, and so Caleb will be running a new identical show a new bi-weekly mm. soon. Um, I believe the cast is locked. I believe. Mm -hmm. um, 
And so Caleb will be GMing that series. Right? Um, I finally, because again, I have been out of touch uh, because of life. Um, but Mallow came over on Sunday and he walked me through the elevator pitch and kind of what the, the plan is for the show. And I am super looking forward to watching it and being in the chat while this is all going on. So, um, more to be announced on that soon, very soon, but it is coming. And so, uh, that's happening. So we will once again be back to two identical shows a week soon. And Caleb, Caleb is bouncing out of his chair. Um, very excited. This is, and here's the thing. It's going to be a very different feel for Identico. It still fits within the Identico world under the Identico umbrella, but it's, it's a very different style of show, which I love because both Angel City, Chaos Inc. and all these are different style shows. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing uh, what Caleb does. It's going to be fun. I'm so excited. That's coming soon. So uh, subscribe to YouTube. Follow us on Twitch at identico we're at identico everywhere um i'll close it out i am at alex the humanoid everywhere like tiktok uh twitter everywhere i'm at alex the humanoid uh you can also follow me on my other shows at gamers heaven pnw uh i do like five streams a week we do news and stuff about gaming and video games and tabletop and the whole industry writ large uh, news and stuff and things oh my god I have to write rundowns for tomorrow's news segments tonight, oh later. Um, so, uh, but if you want to know about video games and tabletop news and what's going on in the industry and everything from Magic the Gathering to Overwatch, like we're there for you at Gamers7PNW. Um, I will be back on Wednesdays. I'm back tomorrow night uh, with Mallow for Identico After Dark. So look forward to that. We're hoping we get some information on the sag vote before that show because we really want to talk about that. Mm -hmm. Um but yes, all the places. Thank you all for joining us tonight, and uh, we will see you soon. We love Bye. you. Bye. Bye. Chaos Incorporated is Kaylee as Chone, Michael as Maxi, Dot as Stitches, Caleb as Zed, and Alex is your game runner. You can learn more about the game we play on this podcast by going to www.playidentico.com. You can join us live for these sessions every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Pacific over on twitch.tv slash identico. And you can watch along with past episodes and see additional content like how to play videos over on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash identico. And finally, you can follow along with us on the socials at identico on Twitter and at Humanoid Games on Threads and Instagram. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next week.